and we are back with the Dumbo Poet Podcast. Do a little bit of intro music. Learn from one of the podcasts I listen to as long as you talk over the music. They can't copyright and pull you for it. We're just going to rock out a little bit. This is what I've been listening to lately. It's Jaden Smith's new album, CTV3, track is title track, not title track, name of the track, Circa 2015. I've been crying to this song lately, so I just wanted to use it as an intro. Ah, he's getting so much better. Jaden is getting so much better at music. I love this song. And we back, we back, we back, we back, Dumbo Poet Podcast. Uh, we're going to take a break from the For My Future Wife poem. I actually wanted to work on a poem that I think I've done on here before. Um, the Little Brown Boy poem. Uh, but I want... I, either I've done it on here before or I've recorded myself doing it on my own my iPhone to like mentally process what I actually thought about it. The poem is Little Brown Boy, Cry For Me, Tell Me How To Cut Your Hair Then Die For Me, Spare Every Baby Boy, Lie For Me, Reach Into Your Fire, Inquire Inside For Me, Little Brown Boy, Fill The Play-Doh, Blood Spill All Over Your Clay, It's Okay Though, You Didn't Have Pain For The War, That's The Payload, Smear That Blood Across Your Face, When I Say So, Remember Gotta Build You A Horse, Then Play Possum, Disguise Your Liberty Like A Torch, But Stay Autumn, Turmeric All Over Your Skin, It Tastes Awesome, Poems That You Hid In Your Bones, They Want Them. Um, so, I'm gonna try to go line by line starting with little brown boy uh so little and so i i what i did this time for this for this episode was i typed out just because there's so there's, there's a lot there's a lot of layer and nuance packed into this poem so I made a google doc and did like my thoughts written out for each line um so it's gonna kind of be me reading the google doc slash inserting improving in between lines slash during my reading of the google doc to kind of give a really an attempt to give a thorough breakdown of uh, this poem. So, starting off with Little, Little Brown Boy Little. Little because, first off, the psychology of my inner child speaks for me, meaning as a creative, I see a lot from the lens of a child. Number two, when I go through life lessons, the team member of my psyche that could be considered the greatest contributor, but also the weakest link, or at least the loudest complainer, is my inner child, the Little Brown Boy. The Little Brown Boy. So there's a meta-judge, father-figure, ruler, that is an avatar of authority that exists in my psychology. Kind of like a judgmental father who's speaking at the opening of this poem to the little brown boy. Almost like the older me now or future me speaking to the younger me, the former me, the past me, who is still in both in, both in existence. Um, if, you choose, if I choose to look at things outside of the constraints of time and just choose to look at everything that has existed, that is existing, past, present, that's going to exist, future as if it's all a reality that, that I have to experience 
in succession of time because of the constraints of time. But if I choose to remove the, filtra the filtration system of time, I can see these things as all existing in the same space. And so it's like the older me speaking to the younger me and addressing him as little. But it's used as like an endearing term, even though he's a judgmental father, even though he's a father figure, a ruler, a judge. That's his, his persona and the role he sits in, his father and judge. He's, he's saying like it's an, almost like a tribal chief, like a, like a chief of a tribe speaking to like a young male in the tribe, saying little brown boy. He's using it as an endearing term. Um, kind of like a hip hop when they say my young bulls or my young boys. Or, or they say like, yeah, yeah, you refer, it's, it's, it's a term of endearment. Like a father saying son to a child. Brown because brown is specific and unique and yes at least in my case and when i'm saying it and how i interpret how i use brown because of the world we live in where everything is so connected where when you see a brown person like if you were to give a police description or a police report brown brown could mean middle eastern could mean indian it could mean hispanic it could mean black it could mean um a kind of rural asian it could mean it could mean so many things so Little brown boy brown because brown is so specific and unique and yet so ambiguous. It's not black. It's not white. You can be black and be a skin tone brown, but I'm not saying brown. But me saying me saying brown uh, is more like brown Asian because I'm speaking to myself. It's I'm referring to the fact that there's a lack of belonging to the dominant groups. So brown is packed with all that nuance of it's not black. It's not white. Uh, it's when I am outside the home. It's for me who I actually am. It's brown Asian, but I'm using brown to connotate the fact that this boy, this inner me, has never belonged to a specific group. I've always had participation in Asian groups, Korean, Hispanic groups, Puerto Rican, but neither have fully embraced me um, or gave me, granted me full belonging, whether it's because I didn't speak Spanish or whether it's because you can't look at me and tell that I'm Korean. Um, so I've always had a sense of like being only partial, having like partial membership, a partial citizenship that could at any moment be taken away if that group didn't feel like embracing me. So brown, because I'm referring to a lack of belonging to the dominant group as a white or black and, or, or Hispanic or Korean, there's a mixture that both incurs, a, there's a mixture that both incurs upon an inclusion, oh yeah, brown, being brown, incurs upon, it, 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 it connotates that I, I share in the griefs and the despairs and the sorrows of those groups that there is Anglo heritage from England in my blood. There's white heritage. There's England. There's Anglo. Uh, yeah, Anglo heritage in my blood. There's several different tribes of African heritage in my blood. There's also Korean, Chinese and, and Taino and indigenous Native American heritage in my blood there's puerto rican heritage in my blood um so that mixture of of brown not being white or black but being a being a brown um, means that i share in the griefs and the despairs and the sorrows of those groups that are mixed in my blood uh without the full privilege of having full citizenship or full belonging to any of those groups so i have to carry the despairs and the griefs and the sorrows of all the groups, but I don't get to share in the full rights. I have to carry the responsibilities of the griefs and the sorrows, but I don't I don't get to share in the full rights of any of the groups as a full belonging member. It's almost like if there's two tribes that were at war with each other, kind of like some Romeo Juliet type shit. And members, a male from one tribe and a woman from another tribe had a baby. 
and then neither tribe wanted to fully accept that or e even accepted the existence of that baby and didn't let the baby come into the tribal lands or purchase anything in the tribal markets or share in the tribal uh, ceremonies, traditions, and festivals because it had mixed blood from the other tribe. It's kind of how I feel, kind of the message I'm trying to get across is that I share many of the psychological woes and griefs without having full and proper access to the healing that comes with fully belonging brownness to stay in one way or another, that I am an outsider, that I'm a lone wolf, that I'm in many ways an orphan. Boy, little brown boy, so that's the little part, that's the brown part, that's now the boy part, is just reiterating the idea that it's my inner child, so boy is just to re-emphasize what was already communicated with little. There's an inner child that I'm attempting to integrate into my adulthood and involve that I'm trying to integrate into my adulthood in the end evolved state of person as a as a late 20s male. Um, so my inner child is being spoken to using my 29 year old self currently from my future self. So there's three layers of interactions. Future me is speaking through tw current 29 year old me to former me that is now being reintegrated into my psychology. Um, kind of like in Peter and Hook, movie Hook. So all the Peter Pan stories are about Peter never growing old. And then Hook is this beautiful rendition of the story where Peter grows up and he loses so much of um, so much of his charm and what made him so alluring, as, what made the story so alluring that this idea of forever young, being being able to do forever exist in the state of bliss and awe and this, this blissfulness of youth, fountain of youth type of thing, never having to grow old. So then in Hook, Peter Pan grows up, has kids, has a family, and before he actually has to go back to Neverland, he is, is he's having marital issues, he's having parenting issues, and it's funny because essentially he spends all the time, most of the time of the movie, having to reintegrate who he was when he was younger Peter in order so that his current version, his adult self, lawyer self, can fully prosper and efficiently function as a human being. So his his wife is kind of like wanting him to be more present as a husband and as a father. He's he's kind of become so old and cranky and 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 and, and uh, grumpy as an older man, kind of like almost like a complete loss of his inner child. That he doesn't have an ability to be playful and to be whimsical or be uh, to live in a fantasy world or to kind of have that sparkle in your eye or have that have that ability to imagine and fantasize and 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 and, and you know have fun and and whether it's um, play fighting with your kids or or being silly with your spouse. So the very thing that, that Peter in this movie, Robin Williams, the very thing that he abandoned in order to become who he was at the moment, a lawyer, is the very thing he has to go back and now reintegrate in order to be a successful, a more evolved version of who he is now. He is an incomplete version of himself, and so he can't just entirely abandon the inner child. He has to go back and reintegrate the part of him that he had to suppress and abandon. In order to get to where he wanted to be, he now has to reintegrate that part he abandoned in order to become the fully realized, fully, um, yeah, fully realized version of, of himself, fully successful version of himself. So yeah, that's kind of like what's happening here is, is 
even this poem in itself outside of what's actually being said is a future me speaking through the current me to the former me so that we can integrate all those layers of inner child, current me, and future me. Future me is the wisdom that 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 is needed to understand my trajectory and to and to, and to make responsible decisions so that I, I so that I can accomplish my dreams. And then current me is like real time on the field, having to figure out, having to uh, make calls and, and execute plays in order to, to try to move towards my desired goals. But future me, the wisdom in, in all of its understanding is reaching back, going, okay, you have connection with future you, the wisdom of you. Now you have to go back and have a connection with the younger you, the youth of you, the the, the part of you that could dream and 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 chase and, and stay out late when the street lights turned on in order to stay up late and go and chase after your dreams and you know live in a fantasy world so that's all those layers of little brown boy just the first line and then the next line is so it goes little brown boy cry for me so cry for me um before i get to the isolation of cry being the verb of the statement that is being asked let's focus on the innate nature of responsibility that is placed upon men across human cultures not inferring that there isn't an innate nature of responsibility that is placed upon women. I have an acknowledgement of both. However, because I am a male and this poem is about me, I am unpacking the male dynamic of innate responsibility. And so the inner spirit of the father is speaking to the inner child and saying, Son, as a consequence of being a male in this tribe and village, you owe us. There's a responsibility on you. Not only are you expected to carry your own weight, but the men in this family are trained and raised to be strong enough to carry weight not only for themselves but others. However, in this immediate conversation, I'm asking you as the younger me to carry a weight for you, the older me, like how Peter Pan and Hook needed to go back and reintegrate his inner child in order to properly orient himself in his adult life so as to be the best possible father and husband he could be for his family. If one could understand the true metaphorical nature of that whole fiasco of going to Never Never Land as an internal symbolic psychological journey of recapturing the very part of you that you thought you had to lose in order to grow up. And acquire the life you desired, career and wife, to then come to the realization that the very thing you needed most in your dream future was a part of what you lost in your childhood and what you needed to let go in order to arrive to where you are now. So we see that in the same way older me is asking younger me to do what younger me does best. Process and engage emotion, fantasy, dreamland, vulnerability, whether it be in beauty or in grief, so as to arrive at the place where others' perceptions of your experience in that moment is undeniable by virtue of your outward display of tears. Cry for me, younger me. Little brown boy, cry for me. Have such an undesirable expression of emotion and passion that it elicits tears that, that even onlookers can't deny. That's emotion. That's real. So now cry being the action verb, it is... It isn't fight or guard or protect its cry. Now that you've journeyed so far to and so a large part of why cry is so important here is because when I wrote this poem, I'd spent so long fitness training and being in the gym and kind of doing what one would do in the gym when they're fitness and strength training and integrating aggression into their personality, into their persona. I, I for so many years, spent before I actually got into fitness, I spent writing poetry and, and dancing and being a part of community theater and, and cooking and learning, learning how to sew and so many, you know, so many things that are more, that lean more towards a softer side and understanding aesthetics and understanding emotion and softness and, and, and 
things that could be considered to be effeminate that now we're having to integrate this different aspect when, when we get into fitness of aggression and shadow and darkness. So now that I went so deep into shadow and darkness, almost to the hurt of not focusing on um, things like arts, uh, emotion, or at least uh, vulnerable emotions. Now I'm coming back almost like a pendulum swing, went from sensitivity to aggression. Now let's go back to sensitivity. Uh, cry. Now that you've journeyed so far to integrate by virtue of fitness in your career partially, integrate aggression, increase testosterone, shadow, violence, darkness, heaviness. Let's shift gears and begin to tap back into the softer, feminine, gentler, more in tune, sensitive, heart-related matters. So that we can be more holistic in our person, more balanced. Cry instead of fight, guard, or protect. Cry because your poems are a cry. Cry because like choreography is a cry or or the putting together of an outfit as a form of expression could be a cry. Maybe you're in a somber mood that day. Your meditations, your moments of solitude, your artistic expressions, your moments of silence and inner groanings are all representative of types of cry. Maybe it's even a war cry. Maybe, Maybe a helpless distress call SOS, but but regardless, little brown boy cry. So that's what that means. Cry for me. Be vulnerable. Show emotion. Go into such an honest and transparent place of your psyche and inner child. Almost basically what poetry is, is such a sensitive, open, transparent, vulnerable place of your psyche that poetry has to come from so in the same way but not for the sake of poetry just for the simple act of like literal tears cry cry for me just want to get you to a place where you're vulnerable and and so in tune and in touch with your emotions because i need to have this conversation with you and i need you to take everything in so i don't need the sophisticated version of you trying to do away with what we're going to talk about i don't need the educated the intellectual version of you trying to argue with me and what up when the conversation we're about to have i need the inner child part of you that can dream and imagine and fantasize to go into to, to go into an even to go into a truly emotional state and to be able to play and hold in tandem the things that i'm going to say to you things that may seem contradictory so the next line being uh, tell me how to cut your hair Die for me. So that's an allusion to the story of Samson and Delilah in the Bible, where Delilah, this there's this great war hero in the Bible named Samson, who's great by virtue of his physical strength and, and war accomplishments, but is a is a more is a morally and ethically corrupt person, and ends up marrying this woman who, or ends up being with this woman who. Um, tricks him into telling her how he can be defeated in terms of like physical combat or just overcome physically or subdued physically. And she keeps pestering him, pestering him, pestering him until he confesses to her that the only way he could, his strength can be taken away from him is if his hair is cut. There was a vow he took to God that his parents took on his behalf to God that if he were to never cut his hair, he would retain his strength. So in this... In this part of the poem where it's saying, tell me how to cut your hair, die for me. 
again, the little brown boy is being asked something else. Don't just, don't just plunge yourself into the most emotionally despairing place for me. Now, do, do now on top of that, tell me how to cut your hair. Die for me. Pave for me the path in and around, within and through your psyche that will let me unlock your most vulnerable, your most subdued, your most weakened and helpless state. Once again, cry for me, but this time cry to tell me exactly where it is that you are weak so that I may exploit it. Be willing enough to become vulnerable enough. And in the, in the story between Samson and Delilah, after he tells her that if you cut my hair, I'll lose my strength, he literally goes to sleep with his head on her lap. So be willing enough to become vulnerable enough to lay your head on my lap to let me know how to overcome you. Um, said poetically here, tell me how to cut your hair, die for me. It's a dichotomous statement. Or it's a statement of duality. It's, it's maybe not dichotomous or a statement of duality. It's a, it's a double-folded statement. It's, it's, a, it's a double-layered statement because it's saying that the older me understands that every form of my personhood, whether child or matured, that in every person of my personhood, every stage of my personhood, whether child or matured, I have a susceptibility to feminine energy and will behave in a way that is detrimental to my personhood like Samson did with Delilah. Detrimental in a manner that holds no ultimate benefit for the woman or myself or society, but detrimental, but a detriment that only benefits the feminine in a temporary and fleeting way. I'm susceptible to a kind of woman that would only ask for temporary pleasures. And like Delilah getting Samson to tell her how he can be weakened by cutting his hair, I would also, uh, in many stages of my life, and probably still now, susceptibility-wise, be vulnerable to the influence of feminine energy in the presence of a woman to behave in a way that would be um, detrimental to, to my well-being, and, and whether it's immensely, emotionally, psychologically. That could, that could also result in jeopardizing my future accomplishments and successes successes and, 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 and reaching of dreams. Um, like in the story of Samson and Delilah when Samson ultimately, that, that moment of him getting his hair cut and Delilah tricking him and getting him to divulge his secrets ultimately leads to him getting his eyes gouged out and him basically committing suicide. But on the flip side of this coin of the statement, tell me how to cut your hair, die for me. There's a willingness to lay myself down as as a masculine energy in the relationship between masculine and feminine, the relationship between a man and a woman. In the image, like in the image of Christ laying himself down for the church, at the footsteps of the feminine, the church being the feminine, Christ being the masculine. And me doing this on the flip side of this coin, the good part of this coin, and the emulation of Jesus laying his life down for the church. There's a, there's, a, there's a capacity in me not only to be susceptible to the, to the energy of the feminine in a negative consequence, there's a, there's, there's a susceptibility, capacity in me to submit to the feminine in a way that's reminiscent of Christ, Christ laying his life down for the church idea that every man has a capacity to uncover for his wife the how to navigate his inner channels in order to get him to become the best possible version of himself through dying to himself through like this phoenix birth type of transformation process where he can continually repeatedly die to himself in order to become a better version of him so the 
weaker parts of him that are not conducive to his development, his evolution, his growth can like like almost like rotten wood in a bowl could be removed and and burnt as new wood is added. It just so happens that the best possible version of any man is one that leads to him entirely pouring himself out in the service of others, not only his wife. I wrote here, true definition of humility, counting others more important than yourself in action, despite thought, i.e. dying to self and selfish wants and how you act out your relationship with others, what you are willing to do and how you're willing to serve others, whether it's giving money, whether it's acts of physical service. Um, not to mean neglecting self-care, but to deny as much of you as, po- as you possibly can in good mental and emotional health and the striving for giving of more and more of yourself. So yeah, that's that's kind of the the encapsulation of that line. It's this idea of like two sides of that coin: the dark side and the light side. The dark side being like, man, this could go really bad. Like you have a, you have a, you have this part of you that that like you could act in a way where you are given to the to the, you're given to. Let me see if guiles is the right word. Yeah, you're like oh, you're you're like given to the guiles of a woman in order to try to, you know, some women do have that power and that intention to guile you into things for their own benefit. And some men, likewise, not just a woman thing, but because I'm speaking from the perspective of a man, I've never been a woman who's tried to do that. I've never been, I've, and I am not a man who tries to behave in that way. Of course, there are men who behave that way, but the dark side of that coin is that, man, I see in myself, recognize in myself, self-identify that I'm I'm susceptible to the guiles of a woman to do things that would be to my own hurt. But also there's a capacity like a muscle that if I exercise, I could also be susceptible to constructing my life in service to a woman, to a wife, to a partner um, like Christ for the church, which would actually not result in my detriment or my hurt but would result if I exercised it efficiently and properly and me becoming the best possible version of myself by laying myself down for the feminine. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll call this part one and I'll pause that here until we come back for the next episode and we'll continue to do a breakdown of this before we get back to the For My Future Life. So that was part one of Little Brown Boy poem. Back to the song. We was in a parking lot phase. We were 17. All your energy was sent to me and I gave you the same. And you said she's how seen. Girl, I'm sorry about everything I always said for the sunrise. Jaden Smith, Jaden, Jaden Smith, you can't know me talking over the beat, because if I talk over it, then my podcast can't get pulled. Sing your list, not a